0: courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique Divine Liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. The members of Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, are justifiably proud of the beautiful grounds surrounding the church. Remember
1: is a place from long ago. Remember.
0: They are also proud of the recognition the parish has received. In fact, the landscape master plan for the Annunciation of the Mother... As an internationally known speaker on the theology of the body, Father Thomas De the Daughters of Saint Paul sponsor a monthly study group on the Theosis. Theosis. The CD is now available. The Annunciation Parish Choir, under the direction of Timothy, if Light of the East Radio is important to you, and you would like to help this program continue. Light of the East will return in a moment. We at Light of the East remember our dear friend and colleague, Art Clifton, on the anniversary of his passing. Art Clifton died a year ago on November 23rd, and Art was the original producer and engineer for Light of the East. He's actually the one that got it all started for us. And it's interesting how it all did get started. R. Clifton one day went to a radio station in Chicago with the idea of simply requesting the radio station air our Byzantine Divine Liturgy from Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. So all he wanted was to get our liturgy on the air. And the radio station manager said to him, Well, I have good news and bad news. The Byzantine liturgy that you want to put on the air is too long for the segment, for our radio segment. However, we do have, and here's the good news, an opening on Sunday morning if you want your own program. So Art Clifton came back to me and said those same things. He says, Father Tom, I went to the radio station here in Chicago and I tried to get our liturgy on the radio. And I have good news and bad news for you. And when he told me the news, actually, it was actually all good news. I think, in fact, I think it was all very providential news. Because from the so-called bad news was born what you're listening to now. And what has been for the last five years. Praise God. Light of the East Radio. That's actually how it started. It started as a little half-hour program at a station in Chicago, Illinois. And from there, it has expanded to really all over the world. And that's why we appreciate you listening to us from wherever you are listening to us, and we ask you to remember in your prayers, Art Clifton, our original producer and engineer who passed away one year ago. As we say in the Byzantine Catholic Church, may Art's memory be eternal. Well, as we have been mentioning our last few programs and in a few more in the next several weeks, we are in the period of what's called the Phillips Fast, that is the Advent season for the, many of the Eastern churches. And that, of course, is a season of penance, of cleaning house, pulling back, opening up our souls, sort of cleaning them out. Cleaning out our lives, actually, in all, in all dimensions, at all levels, so as to be able to receive the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Christmas. You see, what we do is we fast. First of all, we fast by abstaining from meat and dairy products Monday, Wednesday and Friday during the Advent season or what we call the Phillips fast season, the 40 days prior to Christmas. Then we increase, as we as we pull back from one thing, we increase other things. It makes room for other things such as works of charity, charitable giving, confession, increased prayer, increased spiritual reading, and also, believe it or not, increased times of silence, of quiet. Yeah, that kind of pulls us in the opposite direction of the way the world pulls us at this time. The world seems to pull us into indulgence, into a lot of noise, a lot of din, a lot of spending, a lot of standing in line, a lot of aggravation, a lot of being burned out and tired. For what purpose? It's certainly not the purpose, the reason of the incarnation. Christ came on earth to grant us peace, to take us away from all of that, to give us that inner peace of soul and that hope of redemption. So, actually, what we try to do in the Eastern Church is we try to do something which is very different than what we're hearing around us, I, I admit, and is sometimes difficult to adhere to because of that. But the Church is trying to get us to go in the opposite direction, to kind of divest ourselves, empty out, open up, slow down, have more quiet, not more din, have less aggravation, not more, come to make peace with our God, with other people, especially people in particular who maybe we need to because of maybe some. Hard feelings or broken relationships throughout the year, to make peace with creation, with the universe, with our church, make peace within our own hearts. And the only way we do that is by allowing the Prince of Peace to enter into our lives and really affect our lives. So we do that through those regimens of fasting, prayer, confession, spiritual reading, works of charity, and more moments of silence. Another thing that happens during this time is there are some interesting little feast days that sort of perforate these 40 days, and one of those is coming up soon. In fact, it is the feast day of the patron saint of the Byzantine Catholic Church. That's right. His name is Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas may seem like a almost mythological figure, and certainly he has been modified into things like Santa Claus and Kris Kringle, etc. But Saint Nicholas actually did exist. He was a bishop a Byzantine bishop back in the 4th century. He was known for his works of charity and for healing, and also for his humility. There's only one story that is told where he was very, very bold, and that is that the great council of Nicaea, which established what we know today as the creed, the creed that we say in the liturgy of the mass, the Nicene-Constantinopolitan creed, you know, the I believe in one God, that creed. That council established that creed because it was in response to a great heresy perpetrated by a cleric named Arius. And there's a great story, one of my favorite, where during the council, Nicholas was so distraught and so angered that Arius would stand on the floor of that council and perpetrate this heresy that he stalked across the floor and smacked him right in the face. Nicholas was, of course, hauled away at that time after that, but he returned and actually returned to Guan to become actually a great saint. Other stories of him include miraculous ones, miraculous appearances, and always great works of charity. And that's one of the reasons why, in our church today, On December 6th, actually the evening of December 6th, on the eve, which is the night of December 5th, we have a marvelous tradition, especially for the children. What we ask is that the children put their shoes out outside their bedroom at night, and when they wake up the next morning, their shoes are filled with little treats from St. Nicholas. And at my parish, Annunciation, Byzantine Catholic Parish, we always have a very, very endearing tradition where St. Nicholas actually comes and visits the young children. In fact, he comes riding up on a white horse and a buggy comes up the street, up the driveway, and he takes the children around in a, in a little ride on this horse and buggy while the snow gently falls from the sky. And we do this after we've had services. In honor of St. Nicholas, we have the vespers and liturgy for the evening, and then the children sing. St. Nicholas always seems to come around when he hears his song being sung by the children. So once again this year, we look to our children to sing and make St. Nicholas present on the evening, December 5th. I'm Father Thomas Loya. We'll be right back on Light of the East.
2: Light of the East will return in a moment. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $10 or more to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. 60491. And may God grant you...
1: Sometimes we need to hear the simple consolation that comes with repentance. Seventh-century father of the Byzantine Church, St. John of Carpathos, wrote this most consoling passage to those who felt that their repentance had been a waste of time. What is it, he says, that so distresses you? No stain is intrinsic. If a man has tar on his hands, he removes it with a little cleansing oil. How much more, then, can you be made clean With the oil of God's mercy you find no difficulty in washing your clothes how much easier is it for the Lord to cleanse you from every stain although you are bound to be tempted every day when you say to the Lord I have sinned he answers your sins are forgiven you I am he who wipes them out and I will remember them no more Matthew nine two and Isaiah forty three twenty five As it says in the Psalms As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you, and as a father shows compassion to his sons, so will I show compassion to you. Only do not rebel against him, who has called you to pray and recite Psalms, but cleave to him throughout your life in pure and intimate communion reverent yet unashamed in his presence and always full of thanksgiving. Discouragement. This is the devil's second favorite weapon. Where pride fails, he soon starts whispering poisoned words of discouragement. So make the sign of the cross, call on the Lord's name, renew your repentance and above all, With him, with his grace, through his spirit, rise above this temptation. I'm Father Maximus Ocilius.
2: The Monks of Holy Resurrection Monastery, Newberry Springs, California, can be found at www.hrmonline.org. And now back to Light of the East.
0: Welcome back to our program, Light of the East. There is a development in the western lung of the church that is of real interest to all of us in the eastern lung, and that is the new canonical structure for former Anglicans. I'm going to read some information about that, which came to me. It was reprinted in the Wander magazine. It's just a report about this reunification of Anglicans to the Catholic Church. The article says this, With the preparation of an apostolic constitution, the Catholic Church is responding to the many requests that have been submitted to the Holy See by groups of Anglican clergy and faithful in different parts of the world who wish to enter into full, visible communion. In this apostolic constitution, the Holy Father has introduced a canonical structure that provides for such corporate reunion by establishing personal ordinariates, which will allow former Anglicans to enter into full communion with the Catholic Church while preserving elements of the distinctive Anglican spiritual and liturgical patrimony. Now, under the terms of the Constitution, pastoral oversight and guidance will be provided for groups of Anglicans through a personal ordinariate, whose ordinary will usually be selected from among former Anglican clergy The forthcoming constitution provides a reasonable and necessary response to worldwide phenomena by offering a single canonical model for the universal church which is adaptable to various local situations and is equitable to former Anglicans in its universal application. It provides for the ordination, as Catholic priest, of married Anglican clergy. Historical and ecumenical reasons preclude the ordination of married men as bishops in the Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox Churches. The ordinary can either be an unmarried clergyman or an unmarried bishop. The seminarians in the ordinariate are to be prepared alongside other Catholic seminarians, though the ordinariate may establish a house of formation to address the particular needs of formation in the Anglican patrimony. William Carne Levada, prefect of the Congregation for the Doctor of the Faith, said, We've been trying to meet the requests for full communion that have come to us from different parts of the world in recent years in a uniform and equitable way. With this proposal, the Church wants to respond to the legitimate aspirations of these Anglican groups for full and visible unity with the Bishop of Rome, successor of St. Peter. The Cardinal kind of continued, Those Anglicans who have approached the Holy See, have made clear their desire for full visible unity with one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. At the same time, they have told us of the importance of their Anglican traditions of spirituality and worship for their faith journey. The initiative has come from a number of different groups of Anglicans. They have declared that they share the common Catholic faith as it is expressed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and accept the Petrine ministry as something Christ willed for the Church. For them, the time has come to express this implicit unity in the visible form of full communion. Insofar as these traditions express in a distinctive way the faith that is held in common, they are a gift to be shared in the wider church. The unity of the church does not require a uniformity that ignores cultural diversity. Moreover, the many diverse traditions present in the Catholic Church today are all rooted in the principle articulated by St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Our communion is therefore strengthened by such legitimate diversity, and so we are happy that these men and women bring with them their particular contributions to our common life of faith. This is from the note of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith about personal ordinariates for Anglicans entering the Catholic Church. And again, it's reprinted and was given to me from the Wanderer. Now, a couple of things that are interesting in this, from our perspective of the Eastern Lung of the Church, especially from my church, or myself as an Eastern Catholic, What's interesting is that there is a similar kind of character to this reunion as there was the reunions of the Eastern Catholic Churches. Now, what happened there was, after the Great Schism between 1054 A.D., the Great Schism between the Eastern lung of the Church and the West, lung of the Church, the East calling itself the Eastern Orthodox Churches since 1054 A.D. to the present, and the West, of course, calling itself the Roman Catholic Church. Since that schism, there were, starting 500 years later, separate, in particular, reunifications of the Eastern Orthodox churches with the Pope of Rome and the Pope of Rome with them. Notice how I say they both reunited with one another. It's because they both split from another. It wasn't like one was the bad boy and ran away. They both split from each other. So they both have reunited with each other. That's actually the proper way to see it historically. But these unions were partial reunions. In other words, not all of the Orthodox churches, not the whole church, came back into reunion, for instance. My particular church had its roots in what is today the Church of the Ecumenical Patriarch, whose name is Bartholomew, and he is in Istanbul, which used to be Constantinople. He basically is the patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church. Constantinople, at the time, is the see that govern the Eastern churches in areas such as Central Europe. Well, what happened was, eventually there was a kind of a disconnect, largely because Islam overtook Constantinople in the 15th century, and the Eastern Christians from Central Europe began to feel more and more disconnected and kind of in disarray. So what happened was, they began to reunite with Rome, with the Pope of Rome, the way it was before the Great Schism. But not all of the Eastern Churches reunited. Like, for instance, the Patriarch himself, the Ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople, did not reunite, but some of his flock did. So these were called basically partial reunions and began to be termed with this term uniate or uniatism. Uniatism refers to a form of reunion where there were partial reunions with Rome, but not the entire Church. And what's happened is this model of reunion, of partial reunions, has been looked at by both East and West very carefully in recent history. In fact, in 1993, a document came out, a statement from a big meeting in Lebanon called the Balaman Statement, which basically said that the Uniate model would no longer be an acceptable model. At least, this is what they said at this meeting. This does not mean that the Pope agreed to this or this was an official statement of the whole church. It was simply a statement that came out of a very high level and influential ecumenical dialogue. The reason they said this was because the partial union, partial reunion idea, has become more and more problematic in terms of the possibility of full communion. In other words, the Eastern Orthodox churches have found the partial reunions of what was their own people at one time to be very problematic, and they've sort of been angry at the West about it. In other words, they're angry at the West at the Eastern Catholic churches, of which I am one. So, in working with the Orthodox on this, the Balaman statement said that, okay, we'll Respect the Eastern Catholic churches, they've been around for a while, they came into reunion under good faith, they're part of the Catholic church, but we will no longer use this particular model. In other words, reunion will have to happen with the whole church coming into being, such as the patriarchs of each Eastern Orthodox church reuniting with their whole church if there is going to be reunion. Now, on the other hand, now we go to the West and we have this recent phenomena of the Anglicans reuniting in a very similar model, which is very interesting for us in the East to watch. Because first of all, there is a difference, yes, it is a rite of the West reuniting with a rite of the West, in other words, a Roman Catholic Church. So there's a little bit of a difference there. However, there are certain similarities, and it's curious that a kind of a uniate model is being used again. But like I said, it was not the Pope that said we would not use a uniate model. So there's been no official teaching on this by the Church. There's only been a statement by an ecumenical dialogue. But what is also similar is the fact that, as you heard from the reading, that the Anglican said, we will reunite with Rome, we embrace everything the Pope believes and everything the Pope is, but we want to keep what is specifically our particular expression or our venerable traditions that have been in the English church for centuries, in other words, their style of liturgy and so on. And of course, the Pope has agreed to this. This is the exact same thing that was said during the reunions of all the Eastern Catholic churches. In other words, the Eastern Catholics said, at that time they were Orthodox, they said, okay, we will reunite with Rome, but we should be allowed to be exactly as we are, except that we do embrace what the Catholic Church teaches. We don't have a problem with it. But we express that faith in a way that is particularly ours. In other words, our Eastern Catholic tradition with our own calendar, our own saints, our own liturgy. Now this is what we mean, and you heard this word in this article that I read, this is really what we mean by an honest or true diversity in the church. Diversity in the church is not based upon ethnic differences, although that's part of it. Real diversity in the church has to do with the fact that there is one faith with one pope, but expressed in various venerable ancient ways. In other words, lived out differently all of which are equal in their dignity. In other words, one rite is not more important than the other. They are ancient, they are venerable, they are valid. And yet they were united together with the one same pope and the one same basic belief that we know today as the Catholic Church. We're going to keep our eyes on this reunion with the Anglicans because it's very fascinating for us in the Eastern Church, especially those of us who are so-called uniates, the Eastern Catholic Churches. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, ByzantineCatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio, and send it to Light of the East, one four six one O, Will Cook Road, Homer Glen.